This show is brought to you by Stifle Marson, advertising, marketing, and design. A full-service agency specializing in manufacturing and industry. Branding, web development, SEO, brochures, PR, and more. Learn more at wegetmfg.com. You are listening to Manufacturing Revival Radio. Spotlighting the innovation, the business savvy, and the entrepreneurial spirit of manufacturers from here at home and around the world. Celebrate the can-do spirit that is bringing manufacturing back. And now, here are your hosts, Todd Schnick and Todd Youngblood. Good morning and welcome back to Manufacturing Revival Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Todd Youngblood. Todd, I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. I'll tell you what. Before we scheduled this guest, if someone had made a bet with me that there was someone that had started a textile manufacturing operation in Georgia within the last 10 years, I'd have bet my house and lost it. Oh, I am really the only looking... one that's, oh, that, that's thriving. <laughs> thriving. I mean, I just can't wait to get into this thing and, and learn about the secret sauce. Yeah, well, before we do that, a quick shout-out to our sponsor for today's show, the Georgia Association of Manufacturers. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, we talk about the textile firm coming in, the GAM, the work they're doing is helping not only get manufacturing operations started up here, but supporting the ones that are here, creating jobs, doing doing terrific work for everybody. Yeah, well, let's get to it. Say hello to today's guest, Doug Tingle. He's the co-founder and vice chairman of the Board of Managers for 1888 Mills. Welcome to the show, Doug. Thank you, Todd. We appreciate you having us here today. Talk a little bit about our company. Well, we're excited about it, Doug. Thanks for making some time to join us, and thanks for the trip up from Griffin, which is a God's country. Uh, Doug, before we get into a conversation around 1888 Mills, take a second and tell us a little about you and your background. I've been in the textile industry for an awful long time. I'm from Griffin. actually worked for a large textile company there, Dundee Mills, for many years. After I got out of Griffin High, went to Georgia Tech for my undergraduate degree, came back to work in engineering department there at the large textile company, went back to law school, came back and went into corporate attorney into the finance side of the company and certainly enjoyed that. Sort of back, this was in the late 90s when we started seeing a lot of changes in the textile industry, particularly with products moving offshore. Dundee was the third largest provider of textile towels in the country at the time, but we sold to Springs Industries out of uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, which was a much larger company that wanted Dundee to be the towel arm of their company. And uh, several of us decided that we'd start our own company, which we did, 1888 Mills, there in Griffin. We actually started it in 1996, so we're in our 17th year. And our name, 1888, refers back to the year that towels were first made in Griffin. So towels have been continuously made in Griffin since 1888. So it's a great heritage great tradition of textiles there and certainly our company we wanted to pay heritage to that but we saw a lot of changes in the industry we'll go deeper on 1888 mills and you know, i think you said you have about five products talk about those in the markets that you're serving todd we have five product categories our largest by far is towels and i sometimes with my accent I have to spell that t-o-w-e-l-s but towels is our largest it makes up about two-thirds of our sales but we also do bedding uh, we also do window or drapes we do kitchen terry, and we do apparel, and apparel for us is hospital and patient gowns. So that is our five product categories. We actually sell into three channels of distribution. Our largest is retail, 
And in retail, some of our premier accounts would be Walmart, Target, Dollar General, Sam's. So some small organizations. Some small organizations, yes. And hospitality is our second largest group. And in that, we do have contract relationships with Choice Hotels, Hyatt Hotels, the Avendra Group, which represents Marriott and a few others. We supply both towels and bedding into that market. And our third channel of distribution is healthcare. Primarily where we're doing operating room towels, hospital patient gowns, scrubs, institutional apparel, as well as bedding and towels. And that market is handled through distributors. And in that market, out of uh, one of the largest in the U.S. is Medline, who supplies a lot of different products to a lot of hospitals. But also here in Georgia, we have a company in McDonough, Georgia, Encompass, that is another large distributor in the healthcare industry. Doug, conventional wisdom would say, don't even think about trying to manufacture towels or any kind of textiles, for that matter, in the U.S., and you kind of scoff at that. (laughs) Well, I'll go you one better. We were starting our company in 1996 when everyone was moving offshore, and certainly, Todd, one of the reasons for that is up until that point in time, quota was still in place in the U.S. Duty is still in place today, but quota was in place in the U.S., and there was a um, limitation on the amount of product that could be brought in from offshore at the time. Now, quota is going away the 90s in that period of time, and we turned around and left-handed thinking started the towel mill in the U.S., but we knew and we still firmly believe that manufacturing jobs were extremely important in the U.S., and we'll touch on that, I'm sure, later about why they're important, but, you know, we felt like going away completely from a U.S. platform would be a tremendous mistake because one of the advantages we have in the U.S. is several. First and foremost, we're quick to market. Out of the U.S., we can certainly get product to the consumer faster. The second is there's a great trust factor with companies that operate in the U.S. and trying to sell to people that are in the U.S. And so, you know, we felt like, yes, the traditional business that was around for 100 years where you had large textile manufacturing companies in the U.S., was probably had seen its day, and it was going to change. But we were going to adapt where having U.S. manufacturing was part of our global strategy. And that's exactly what we did. Well, you mentioned the importance of creating manufacturing jobs in the U.S. We understand that Walmart has a couple of new initiatives that they've just recently announced that's a real big focus on made in the U.S.A. Talk about that a little bit. Yes, uh, we do a lot of business with Walmart out of our global platforms, and we'll you know we'll get in those in a little bit. And getting together with Walmart, we collaborated about their a new initiative where they are trying to encourage investment for people to bring jobs back to the United States. That initiative, they are putting fifty billion dollars of product purchases for made in or manufactured in USA product over the next 10 years as part of one of their corporate initiatives. That, billion. That's billion with as a B. In billion B. as in B. Yeah. Yes. And the second initiative that they have, uh, if you're a veteran and you've been out for less than 12 months, they're going to give you a job. So two very worthwhile initiatives. We wanted to be very much a part of that first initiative about the manufacturing jobs. So working with Walmart, they make a long, have made a long-term commitment. If we would invest in expansion of our facility, they would make a commitment to buy product from us. And uh, certainly we are very pleased with that commitment because over the next several years it's going to add about 35 jobs in Griffin into our facility, which is certainly needed in our community, but also gives us the opportunity to showcase manufactured in USA products. And, uh, you know, the product that we're making is a towel, uh, and the towel is a very good value for the consumer. 
it is totally sourced out of the United States. The cotton is extra long staple cotton for the pile loop or the loop, the terry loop that touches you. That cotton is extra long staple Pima cotton that comes out of California. But what we call the ground and the filling or the substructure of the towel is actually cotton that's coming out of the Delta region, which includes Georgia. So not only good for the manufacturing, it's good for our agricultural base because all the cotton's actually grown in the U.S. It's spun in the U.S. It's, and we're manufacturing in Griffin in the U.S. So it's a tremendous initiative they have. We call the program Made Here. That's referring back to Griffin. That was made here in Griffin. And they advertise it that way, certainly uh, are promoting it that way. And, um, you know, we're just happy to be part of that initiative. Doug, I'd like to poke a little more at this idea sure. of creating jobs. The whole the whole notion of the unskilled putting tops on bottoms right. kind of job, I mean, those jobs are gone, and they're never coming back. So talk about some of the technology and innovative kind of things that you're doing and the kind of skills required of workers to be able to do that. Well, as you mentioned, as far as just those old material handling jobs, they no longer exist. Obviously, to be competitive, we have to have a lot of technology into our operation, and we do. And, you know, today, even the weaving equipment is so sophisticated that we can put different borders or different configurations in the towel just by going through our CAD systems and doing our design. So sort of gone of the days of those folks that just were semi-skilled or unskilled folks. We very much need skilled folks in the labor force. And these jobs will do that. The pay on these jobs will be about $14 an hour that we're adding. And for Griffin, that is very, very competitive. In fact, that would be on the very upper end of the pay scale. Certainly, we offer benefits, uh, you know, hospitalizations, 401K, all of the benefits that come along with it. So in our community, those type of jobs are, are very much needed. Certainly, one of the things you're concerned about, can you find folks that actually fill those jobs? And through our Votech school there, we have some training programs, certainly our internal training programs. So we have a the state of Georgia, and certainly we and our local municipalities have built an infrastructure to, to get these people on board and get them trained. You know, we just need the jobs. We need the commitments to have the business to actually get these jobs back in the U.S., and we do with this Walmart initiative. Well, kudos to you and to Walmart, frankly, for your devotion to the Made in the USA effort and Made Here. Uh, but that said, 1888 Mills is a global organization. Yes. So talk about some of the international and global reach of the company. We are the second largest importer of towels into the U.S. We are f- very large in size. But just to give you an interesting background perspective on where the industry, back in the 90s, if you looked at the competitive landscape, Phil Chris Cannon, would have been one of the largest manufacturers textiles out there. They no longer exist. Bib down in Macon was certainly a large manufacturer of towels. They no longer exist. West Point, which was one of the larger industries here in Georgia, they have totally moved out uh, offshore. They're located in Pakistan and Bahrain. So you can see that this move offshore has created a lot of new players. Now, who are the largest textile suppliers out there now? Well Spun out of India, Trident out of India, Loftex out of China, certainly us out of uh, Pakistan and Bangladesh. So that whole landscape has changed. Not only did the industry move offshore, the players started moving offshore too and became very competitive. Now, we are a global company. We manufacture in four countries. U.S. is part of our towel production platform, but we're also in Pakistan where we have four mills, Two of them are towel production mills. One of them is a flat goods mill where we do bedding, window, shower curtains, fabric apparel. One is a cut and sew operation where we do hospital patient gowns and scrubs. In Bangladesh, we have five towel facilities. Again, Bangladesh is certainly uh, one of their 
best natural resources is the human resource, and so it works there. And in Ghana, Africa, we have just recently in the past few years started an operation where we do hospital patient gowns and scrub sewing. We are now the second largest employer of females in Ghana oh, wow. <laughs> uh, with 750, which just gives you some idea. And our brand purpose, and we're very serious about this, is weaving a better world. We are, you know, not only are we about, we're certainly not shy about saying we're in business to make a profit because we are, but we're also in business to help our stakeholders, which would be our vendors and our consumers that we sell to, but also our employees. In Ghana, that story is very, very real because these are people, primarily females, that have never had a job, no way to provide for their family, and they do now. So, you know, we take that seriously, too. Uh, but we are a global business, but, again, we make the U.S. manufacturing part of that strategy, and it works very well for us. All right. We'll be back with Doug Tingle after this short commercial break. The Georgia Association of Manufacturers represents Georgia manufacturers in legislative, regulatory, and public relations matters. Founded in 1900, GAM also provides seminars, services, and guidance to manufacturers on a wide range of issues, including human resources, workforce development, public utility rates and energy, safety and health, employee benefits, environmental quality, and taxation. Active membership in GAM is open to all businesses in Georgia that are engaged in manufacturing. Learn more at gamfg.org. That's gamfg.org. All right, and we're back with Doug Tingle. And I hear your commitment to a global strategy, which you yeah. really don't, there's really no choice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to have the jobs and the skills and move to where that's done. But also moving back into the U.S., do you see similar kind of arrangements like you did with Walmart and the towels? Do you Absolutely. see something like that in apparel or bedding or, or one of the other lines of business? You know, it was interesting the other day I was, I was doing an interview and someone asked me, he said, well, you know, we've heard about these Made in USA initiatives before, and they sort of seem to be a fad thing, and people come on and they talk about Made in USA and it wave the flag and it seems to be a good thing. And, you know, but is it a real initiative? And I said, hopefully my answer was a thoughtful answer. At least stopped them from asking the question. So I don't know if it was thoughtful or they just thought it was totally off base. But, <laughs> but, but anyway, what I said was when you get into the home furnishing side, which would be towels and sheets like we're in, or in the apparel side, it's hard to buy from Made in USA because it's just not here. It's all moved. So it's hard to say, I'm going to go out and buy shoes that were made in the United States because very few shoes are made in the United States. And the same thing could be said for sheets, towels, and a lot of apparel. So, you know, I think you've got to think that these new initiatives now from a business perspective, what they're trying to do is create an environment where people will invest and bringing that business back. And I think that's the real distinction between these new initiatives and what in the past was just let's wave the flag and talk about buying American. So I think you ask, certainly Walmart is part of this, but Walmart has invited all retailers to be part of this. And we have already do a program, U.S. program with Fred Meyer, which is part of the Kroger organization there on the West Coast. We are in negotiations with Target. We're in negotiations with Bed Bath & Beyond. We also already do a lot of hospitality out of the U.S. where they're looking for U.S. products. So I see this as a real initiative. Now, 
we can't fool ourselves. It always is going to come back to cost. We don't expect the consumer to buy a made in USA product unless we create a value to do so. We don't expect them to pay a premium for these products. We expect these to be value-based products. And what I can tell you is in our business specifically, we had about two years ago about a 12 to 15% cost disadvantage for manufacturing towels here as opposed to a Pakistan or an India or a Bangladesh. That's significant. That is significant. Now, we have narrowed that gap to about 9%, and we think we'll narrow that gap with equipment investments to about 5 to 7%. A lot of the reasons, as you alluded to, Todd, it's a global, you know, most industries now are global industries if they're of any size. And in our industry, the cost of raw material, primarily cotton, is about 55% of our manufacturing cost. That is virtually a global commodity. We are fortunate in the U.S. U.S. is the second largest cotton producing country. So we do have, uh, we do have adequate supply of cotton in the U.S., but as it turns out, we, we grow about 18 million bales a year. We only use about 6 million bales a year, so most of it's for export. But we do have great quality cotton, adequate supply. That gives us a little bit of advantage on that side of the scale. Energy cost. Energy cost is a global commodity. However, here in the southeastern United States, we are very blessed to have very world competitive energy cost. So we get a little nudge on that side of the scale. Chemicals are global. Dyes are global. You, you kind of see everything is making up our product cost as being a global commodity with the exception cost of labor, cost of benefit, and taxes in the U.S. on one side of the ledger, offset on the other side of the ledger by cost of freight and duty coming in from these exporting countries. Fortunately, we seeing that gap narrow and, you know, certainly productivity of the U.S. worker technology that we have access to helps us narrow that gap. But we still see that there will be some cost disadvantage because of that gap. But we've certainly narrowed that where we can give the consumer a value priced product that is world competitive pricing. And uh, so I, I really see that in not only our industry, but the possibilities of that in a lot of industries. And that's why I think you're going to start seeing investment coming back into the country because it's becoming very attractive to do so. I didn't even talk about the supply chain piece of it because we can control supply chain cost by our nearness to market much better than you can from offshore. So I think you're going to see an environment that creates investment, and when that does, you'll see jobs coming back. Now, certainly not like it was before they all moved offshore, particularly in you know more talking about the textile industry, but I think to a certain degree, you're definitely going to see it. Well, on this show, Doug, it's no surprise to you, we have a wide range of opinions. We have those that are very much celebrate the global nature of business right. and, and the opportunities that it affords, uh, but there's some also some folks we've had on the show that their life's mission is to lead the reshoring effort and get everything made in the USA. Obviously, who knows where that's ultimately going to land. Uh, you, you've cited some of these things, but what are some other things that we can do? Uh, regulation just seems to be still a stumbling block that's, I want to inspire that more investment into U.S. operations. Uh, what are some other things we have to do? I mean, is there a government regulation problem? Is our educational process impacting things in terms of skilled labor? What are some other challenges that we're facing? You know, regulation is not as big a problem with us as it may be with some people. And, and the reason I say that, all your major retailers and all your major hospitality groups have compliance regulations regardless of where they buy. 
So even if they're buying in India or China, they have compliance regulations that the people must follow. So it's not like, you know, it's it's not like there's some uh, uh, wild west operations that these major retailers are buying from. They're very they're they are looking at regulations also. So that's not a bigger problem. One of the problems that you definitely see is the tax situation. Our tax for corporate tax is a little archaic when you know it, it, when you hear that you know it, it sounds good for the politician to say we're going to raise corporate taxes uh, and that's where the money comes from and the people look at that and say yeah 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 let's take it from that but when the, when you look at the global competitiveness of other countries tax structures US isn't competitive and that certainly hurts I, I'd say in my I guess if I had a number one bullet that would be the one that corporate taxes definitely are a stumbling block the regulations you know uh, certainly uh, they need to be there you know we're certainly not object to OSHA or any of those type regulations because it's very important for worker safety and we all think about that again our education system is you know it seems to be dropping people off in two directions either they are extremely extremely good in the technical side or they're just not equipped to handle anything that deals with math science counting and you know certainly that can be troublesome too because a lot of these countries are making up the gap in our business we run because our equipment investment is so big we run 24 hours a day and now we run six days a week so what we'll find is the u.s education system is still ahead of when we get to an offshore say in bangladesh where they may not be as well trained but they're catching up extremely rapidly so you know the two stumbling blocks i see is taxes and our ability to educate folks for jobs that are going to be out there because these jobs are not the old push a buggy around job. These are technical jobs and it requires a, a good education to get there. So that I see is what really makes us at a disadvantage. Doug, what do you see as the next big thing? Be it technology or management innovation or financial, what do you think's coming down the pike? Well, I think all of us have to embrace the global nature of business the North American market, represents about a third of the world consumer market. That means there's two-thirds out there somewhere. The economies of India and China and Brazil, Argentina, are growing very rapidly. This is one of the reasons we've become more competitive with India and China. Their uh, conversion of people to what we would consider mid-income people is ha- happening fairly rapidly, and if 10% of the people in China or India now become what we would consider middle-income folks, that's more than the population in the United States. So their, their, their demand for goods is going up dramatically, which is increasing the, the companies that produce in India and China, tremendous demand for them, but also a problem because their pay scales are going up too. So India and China, Brazil become less competitive in the landscape. Uh, then you look, who is going to be more competitive? Of course, I said, as we said, we're in Bangladesh and Pakistan, we're still very competitive there, but Indonesia is competitive, Vietnam's competitive, uh, you know, Africa starts to emerge as becoming competitive, some of South America, Central America becomes competitive. So I think the next big thing for us is to adapt to, first of all, global sales opportunities, and second of all, to where business should be located globally, because it is a global business. I mean, it's, it's, I think we need to embrace that. We don't need to try to 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 fight it. We need to adapt to it and move forward with it, but always recognizing that there's some tremendous advantages of being in the U.S. 
particularly for the U.S. or North American market. What do we need to do to become more competitive in the trade business? You know, I think we just need to get more people thinking that direction. I think we need to have more people thinking uh, thinking that businesses, you've got to embrace the global nature of the business. And I think, you know, our business schools need to be putting out more people that deal with the global business because it's here. And we certainly have the ability to be a world leader in the global business. Even us at 1888 Mills down in Griffin. You know, we are we are one of the largest textile companies in the world just because, and, and we started 17 years ago. I mean, we there weren't even an 1888 mills before that time. So, you know, I think it can certainly be done, but you've got to adapt. You've got to adapt to it, and certainly you've got to be fortunate along the way with some good things going your way. Doug, we have some mutual friends in Roy Bowen and Clay Jones with the Georgia Association of Manufacturers, and I believe you know that they're a sponsor of the show, and we're so grateful for that. What's the value of an association like that? What what does that bring to its members? Well, a tremendous value of them is they they are in areas that, quite frankly, companies like that are our size can't afford. Uh, they are in government regulations, government relations, working with the capital to make sure that business is represented at the capital. And we don't have the expertise or the ability to have somebody on board. So being in an association that does that certainly is very beneficial. When you're dealing with the utilities and, you know, the rate cases and the Public Service Commission, you certainly need someone that's an advocate for you and your point of view, not necessarily that you're not necessarily trying to take advantage of anyone in there, but certainly represents your point of view. And Georgia is a very pro-business state, always has been a very pro-business state, and certainly that is so Roy and Clay and the GMA is making sure that we stay a pro-business state because it's very healthy for it's very healthy for us to have business here in the United States, and particularly manufacturing in the United States, because you know we tell people all the time manufacturing is is important really for several ways. The biggest is to create wealth, you've got to take a raw material and turn it into a product. Service industries certainly move money around, but they don't really create wealth. Manufacturing creates wealth. The second thing about manufacturing jobs in Griffin, it has a direct correlation to to other industries or other businesses in Griffin. We think, and through some research, I think it's proven out, for every job we have in manufacturing, obviously that's important to that person and, and their family, but it's also important to the community because it has a trickle-down effect. It affects about three other jobs in the community, whether it's in the restaurants or whether it's in the banks or whether it's local laundry or whatever it is. It really having jobs in the community is very beneficial. So having manufacturing jobs extremely important, and Roy and Clay and GMA is, is certainly a, a major part of that, being an advocate for pro-business in Georgia. Well, Doug, I hate to say it, it's been a real pleasure, but we're out of time. Before we let you go, how can people get in touch with you, and where can they learn more about 1888 Mills? Well, certainly you can go to our, our website, 1888mills.com, <laughs> and uh, you'll get a lot more information there. We're down in Griffin at 1888 Mills, and all you got to do is go out on the on the web, and you can get in contact with us, and we'd love love to talk more about this. You can buy our products at Walmart. You can buy them at Target. Uh, we always suggest when you stay in one of the ho- nicer hotels, look and see where your tiles were made. If they're made in Griffin, that was us. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, I'll let, we'll let you in on a little secret. My wife and I just recently moved, which is usually code for a woman 
redoing everything, everything in the house, which exactly. means I just added to your profits. So that's, that's, <laughs> the that's, that's towels and that. bedding and windows. Oh, it covers hope, it okay. covers the whole uh, gamut from kitchen to windows to bedding to towels, uh, <laughs> probably even some apparel for all I know. We appreciate it. Doug Tingle, co-founder and vice chairman of the Board of Managers with 1888 Mills. It was a real pleasure having you. Thanks nice so much for being joining. here and appreciate you having me. All right. Pleasure was ours. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. On behalf of today's guest, Doug Tingle, my co-host, Todd Youngblood, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you next time on Manufacturing Revival Radio. (laughs) 